real athletes, real stories. We're back with another interview. What's up, y'all? I'm excited. This weekend, I'm headed to Clemson for a track meet. Uh, I think it's called like the Clemson Invite. I'm excited. We back in track season. Like, what's good? But uh, it's funny because I ain't been to Clemson since like my sophomore year of college. And when I went to Clemson, I had ran my first ever hurdle race. I was so scared. I remember my coach got mad at me because I didn't do like the hurdle warm up. Like when they let you go to the first hurdle before the race, I was too scared and I didn't want to do that. And he got mad at me. I remember like it was yesterday. So, so funny, but I ended up finishing the race. Not nothing too fast, but finished pretty good. Speaking of hurdles, man, today we got a good guest for y'all. Oregon alum, two-time Olympic finalist, three-time USA champ. Devin Allen up in the building with us today. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get started. The first segment is called The Real You. It's some fun, cool questions, okay? Okay. I'm the first one is, what do you usually do in the off-season? What do I usually do in the off-season? Um, I try to go home if, I, you know, if I'm training somewhere else where um, right now I'm in Maryland um, in Annapolis training, but I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, so I like to go, go home and see my family and hang out with them for a little bit, and then... Uh, as of late, you know, me and my girlfriend, who's actually Australian, Morgan Mitchell, um, have have tried to go on like vacation in the off season. So she's a she's a track athlete as well, so she gets the same, you know, off time as me. Uh, we haven't got to do that with COVID, which kind of sucks. But you know, that's what I usually like to do. So usually take like a vacation. Um, you know, I've been to Hawaii now. I've been to Australia a few times. And yeah, so now I get about like six to eight weeks where I don't have to do anything, which is pretty nice. Right. Okay. So give us something off of your bucket list, then. Like that I checked off or that I want to do still? Ooh, one that you checked off. Um, I've always wanted to go to Italy. And yeah, so actually a couple of years ago, I, I went to Naples just to watch, watch Morgan run. And then we went to, you know, do all the touristy, touristy stuff off the coast, which is pretty cool. And then last year I got to run in Florence, Italy, which is cool as well. But Italy is definitely a cool spot. Um, very, uh, you know, into Italian food and culture and stuff like that. It's very, very nice. Cool. Okay, so your last job before you went pro. My last job before I went pro? Yes. <laughs> my, first, my first and only job. Other than uh, you know playing college football and running track, was uh, I was like a cashier slash I worked the front and I like clean tables and stuff at a at a barbecue restaurant called Honey Bears Barbecue in Central Phoenix. So shout out to Honey Bears, um, owned by a great family, um, the Clark family, and it was pretty it was pretty good. It was a good gig. I only I only worked one day a week on Sundays. <laughs> well, that's it. that's all that's the only time I had. So okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I worked on Sundays, and then, you know, I got to eat free food, um, you know, during my shift, and actually put on a little bit of weight that, that those, those couple years, which which helped um, me get to a weight that I wanted to be, but then it kind of put me over the top, too, going into college, but it's all right. I'm back down to, to race weight, <laughs> as they would say. All right, I'm going to have to try out Honey Bears now. Honey Bears? Yeah, Honey Bears honey bear. in Central Phoenix, yep. Okay, so what give us your most embarrassing track and field experience? It's a good question, actually. My most embarrassing track and field experience. Mm-hmm. Man, that's tough. Um, 
Yes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that's very tough. I think the biggest, like the most embarrassing thing was I was uh, high school track. We had like a freshman in by me, and I was a freshman in high school. We had uh, uh, I was running in a few, like running in the meet, and for some reason our uniform was like you know the the tank top, like the distance tank top and distance shorts. <laughs> right and as a sprinter i didn't really like the distance shorts as much so i just wore tights and our our school didn't issue us you know tights so i just wore black tights because that's like a neutral color mm-hmm. and i show up to the line for the hundred and you know as we're like right before like we're standing behind the blocks uh, and they say like before they say we're your marks one of the officials says hey like Devin, you're you know you're out of uniform i'm like oh, what the heck and there's a whole bunch of you know there's a whole bunch of people around Mm-hmm. Um, you know that on my team that could have that could very well like let me borrow their shorts if I needed them you know right. if I knew that was a rule and uh you know but obviously if if they're not wearing anything underneath them then they can't let me borrow them so right. I, I actually ended up getting DQ'd for the 100 and didn't run in the race because I you know I didn't have the shorts you know to wear in, in the race so then I wore the, the shorts in the other races end up end up winning the rest of my events but yeah, I guess that was kind of embarrassing um, on my end, just because like I didn't I didn't really know the rules when I was a freshman in high school, and you know, so that's crazy. Tough EQ. <laughs> so yeah, tough tough way to take an L too. <laughs> you don't even get to run. <laughs> crazy. Okay, so we know you had a lot of memorable moments. So just give us one of your favorite memorable moments, check experience. Oh, my favorite one, and this is going to be cliche, is just winning the Olympic trials in 2016 at Hayward. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure everybody in track and field has seen the video, um, but my whole family was there um, in the stands. So, you know, and being in college and doing it at, you know, Hayward and Eugene, where I went to school, was pretty special. And you know, to win an event like that, um, any sprint event, right? Like really any event in track and field in the U.S., um, the Olympic trials or the U.S. championships is a big deal um, because That's it's one of the, you know, the fastest meets in the world. Um, at any given year. So, you know, it's a big win in my career. Um, you know, I, I did well at the end of my season this year and ended up winning the Diamond League as well. So that's, that's very, very high up there. But definitely the Olympic trials win is my favorite. Yes, I agree. That, that was that was a moment, especially in Eugene. I know the crowd loves the Oregon track team. Oh, yeah. I know I mean, it was it, loud. And, and people send me videos, like not just like the – the ESPN version of it, like home videos on the track. Mm-hmm. And it was literally so loud, like the loudest I've ever heard it. And, you know, that's pretty cool because everybody was cheering for me, which was, which was nice. And it's the last event of the day, you know, on that day. So, you know, people are staying to watch that. So it's kind of cool. Definitely. Okay. So indoor or outdoor? I'm a, I'm an outdoor fan. Um, I knew it. <laughs> only, only because, I don't mind indoor. Um, I don't do quite as well indoors, but that's okay. But uh, in Arizona, there's no indoors. Um, we do like we do like a fake indoors where we run like 60 meters on the outdoor track. You see like some of the Jamaican uh, Jamaican athletes early in the season. They have their like indoor marks, but they run outdoors because they don't have the indoor track. So we did that. Uh, but other than that, not until not until college did I run on like a traditional indoor like banked track. Uh, I went to NAU a couple times, but that was like youth track. So that's crazy. Co- first in college, I mean, it's a lot. It's really common for Southerners to be honest, because it's no indoor. Yeah, are you are you from the South? Yeah, I'm from Texas. 
Okay, yeah. So you had the same kind of thing, unless you live next to like Texas A&M mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, one of those big universities, you're not going to get a chance to, to run indoors. Mm-hmm. So finish this statement. I don't know what. I don't know what. Oh, man. I don't know what I was thinking when I decided to run the hurdles, but it worked out. <laughs> Yeah, no, actually, when I was uh, in high school, I was just a, just a sprinter, mm-hmm. um, 100, 200, 400. And, and my coach in high school, Tim O'Neill, said, hey, I think you can win this event. And he taught me how to hurdle in a, in a short amount. Actually, uh, I actually ended up taking second in the state, the, like the first four weeks of me learning how to hurdle. Um, so I was like, okay, this will work out. And then the next year, I, I broke the... Uh, Arizona high school record in my first meet of the year so I was like okay this might be my my real event you were built for it for sure yeah (laughs) okay so finish this statement we can really (laughs) man uh we can really change the track and field world if we start doing some crazy events like they're promoting um you know on 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 twitter and stuff between like grant and rye and carsten to that uh to that that little race too um the only thing about the 200 right is Mm -hmm. you gotta decide if you're gonna do high hurdles or you know the low hurdles for the, the 400 meter hurdles which you know, could get tricky. I think me and Grant, the higher the hurdle, the better for me and Grant. Right. Yeah. But and also, oh, like, the curve to a straight, too. Like, would I want to do a curve into a straight or a straight into a curve? So that's the thing. It's like, there's like there's a meet in the UK, and I don't, I forget the name of the meet, but they do the 200-meter mm-hmm. hurdles, but it's a straight, like, a full 200-meter straight. Um, um, so I, I guess you would just start the 200-meter line. Like, just run a curve and then a straight. But yeah, it's it's hard. You got to get everybody to agree on how you're gonna do it, what the distances are. Do you, do you just put five hurdles, like a short, um, you know, like a short 400 meter hurdle race, or do you put ten hurdles and make them like, you know, like a little bit longer in between? So it's an interesting yeah. event. No, definitely, definitely. That's gonna, I hope they really try to put it put together. I want to. Yeah, I would definitely want to see that. Yeah, it'd be fun. So, this is a little fun question. Is any 400-meter hurdles in your future? We know you ran them. (laughs) Yeah, I did run a little bit in college. um, Not by choice. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I did okay. I ended up getting second in the Pac-12s. I don't think in my future. I think I'm more likely to run the 100 flat and the 200 flat over the 400 hurdles. Um, Although, you know, it wouldn't be – it wouldn't be the worst thing to jump in a 400. I, I was trying to get some of the hurdlers to do a full by four, like at uh, <laughs> like Drake relays or something like that, or mm-hmm. Florida relays. You know, you know how they like to mix in the sprinters and stuff like that. So I think if if we got Grant on the team, get me on it. Um, you know, there's a couple other good guys that have run the 400 hurdles as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we would probably run close to three flat. I think. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely gonna hit the three flat. So. Yeah. Two-time Olympian, three-time U.S. champion, Devin Allen, Oregon alum. Don't get it twisted, Oregon legend. Devin, what's up, man? How you how you feeling today? Like, how was how you how was your fall training? Um, it was good. Um, this is like my first season 
uh, in the last three or four years that I've been healthy coming off the end of my season, right? So, like, okay. I finished my year and I was I felt good. Um, so I got to take a take a break without having surgery or having to do rehab or something like that. And then I, I kind of just got right back into training and, and things have been going great. So I'm pretty excited for the indoor season. Not that I'm necessarily prepping 100% for indoors because obviously the goal is to, to run fast outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, world champs in Eugene. That's going to be a good me, especially in my home, you know, my college town. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, things are going great. Um, you know, my training is going really well. I'm back with my college coach. Um, Jamie Cook, who's actually the head coach of the Naval Academy. Uh, I help out um, the Naval track team as well. I'm a volunteer assistant coach, so I'm learning a lot. I get to coach kids, you know, the college kids, which is is pretty fun to me. You Mm -hmm. know, I never was really super interested in coaching, um, but I think, you know, the college level is definitely an interesting level where you have an athlete that's pretty competent, good athlete, you know, knows what they're doing, but they can improve a lot with some good, you know, good structure, a good program and some good coaching. So we're seeing our athletes really improve. And that's pretty cool. It's, it's, uh, you know, selfishly, I like to see my hurdlers run well and win because I can say, Hey, you know, I was a part of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's definitely good getting it from a different perspective as well. Like from coaching and being an athlete, definitely give you some insights. Oh, for sure. I know exactly what I'm like looking for because, you know, my coach is telling me something when I'm training and I'm like, mm-hmm. what does that even mean? You know, and I'm trying to find a cue for the athletes that I coach that, like, makes sense so I can make it, you know, I can process it in my mind. They can process it as well. And so, that's like you said, it's really helped me and my coach especially, like, communicate better. Mm-hmm. And then me communicate with my athletes and try to make it as simple as possible and as, like, repeatable, you know, every rep and, and stuff like that. And, and, and the hurdles, especially the event that I'm most, you know, most helpful in coaching is – you know, there's a lot of variables and a lot of things you can improve upon to ultimately improve your time. Definitely. So let's get to the beginning. How was growing up in Phoenix, Arizona? Um, it was great. Phoenix is awesome. You know, a lot of people, I tell that, you know, I'm from Phoenix and, and I would go back to Phoenix in the long term, um, eventually, you know, move back there. It's been, it's been nothing but awesome for me because the weather's great year round. Um, there's a lot of interest in sports. Um, mm-hmm. Arizona is becoming a like a better sports powerhouse. You know, you always have your Texas, your Florida, your California, but Arizona is starting to um, really turn up the notch in, in baseball, basketball, football, track, uh, which is all the sports I played when I was growing up. So it was it was definitely competitive, which was good for my development as a youth, and and I got a good opportunity to go to a good high school and where I played football and ran track which was which was great and that kind of catapulted me into into college which kind of started my you know career as who I am now um but you know because I won USA's and into the late as a freshman so I kind of put myself on the map you know that mm-hmm. first year so so like you said you played a lot of sports so let's get down to the how did you narrow it down to football and just track you know the frustrating thing about youth sports is or especially like a high school sports season is you know there's multiple sports going on at once right mm-hmm. there's like football and, and maybe volleyball and then in the winter it could be soccer and basketball and mm-hmm. then in the spring it's baseball and track so at some point you know I still wanted to play basketball and I still wanted to play baseball and I still had some you know thoughts about playing volleyball and maybe playing soccer but you just don't have enough time so 
it got narrowed down pretty much by what I'm best at. And I was best at football and track at the time. Uh, football, you know, I've always played since I was five and I've always been one of the, one of the better players uh, on the team. And then in track, that's kind of my freshman, sophomore year in high school is when I really developed into a um, dominant track athlete where I was ranked high in, in the U S and ranked high in the world. Um, in the events I chose, you know, I, I, cause I, I did run a hundred and 200 as well. And, you know, I was competitive, um, you know, in both those events on the, on the junior stage, you know, USA, USATF juniors and stuff like that, AAU, youth track. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it got dwindled down for me. It was just whatever ones I was best at. So did you choose Oregon for football or did you choose Oregon for track or both? So that's a good question. I did. I chose it for both. So when I was getting recruited, the, the caveat was like, Hey, I got to do both sports. Right. right. So if the school wasn't going to allow me to try to play football, you know, if they offered me for track, but they weren't going to let me play football, you know, it was a no non-starter and vice versa. If they offered me right. for football and said, Hey, you know, you can't run track. I was, you know, just not interested. So Oregon had like a, a good uh, history of that with, you know, Kenyon Barner, right. um, Michael James before me, D'Anthony Thomas, you know, a lot of good football players, like, just a couple years older than me, right? So I was like a junior and they were sophomores and juniors in, in college. So I could see them, you know, actively playing well in football and then also, you know, competing right. for, yeah, Pac-12 championships and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, this program already does it. They've done it over and over. This is the one for me. So that's that's kind of how it go, how it went. So was it hard giving up football? And how was that? What, was, what did it look like? Yeah, honestly – you know, and, and a lot of a lot of old timers will tell you this, and maybe even in the track world, is you never know when your last meet or last game is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because in my head, since I've been seven years old, I've always wanted to play in the NFL. Right. And you know, so that's my that was my goal in college as well. Obviously, I was doing well on the track. I just made my first Olympic team. I got fifth place in the Olympic final. But in my head, I was like, hey, you know, my goal is still, you know, play this season. You know, I'm eligible for the draft because I'm a junior you know, go to the combine, do well, get drafted, play in the NFL, you know, and then maybe if I have some, some free time in the spring and summer, I'll run track you know, <laughs> right. and, see what I, and see what I could do. Exactly. <laughs> and I ended up getting injured again, uh, playing Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it just kind of put me out for another year. And at that point I decided, Hey, let me, let me just focus on track. You know, I had the opportunity to sign a contract where I could make some money, um, you know, and there wasn't a huge question mark around it because, you know, with an injury going into football, there's kind of a question mark. Like, hey, you know, are you going to get drafted for one? Are you going to get signed? Or, like, are you even going to, um, you know, if you do get signed, are you going to make the team? Right. And so there's a lot of variables. And, and as a 21, turning 22-year-old, I was like, hey, I got to make a living. Um, and, you know, I'm really, really passionate about track. I'm passionate about football and track. Those are my, those are my babies. So, you know, it was definitely a hard – a hard pill to swallow when I was like, Hey, you know, I'm done with football for now. Although, you know, I'm still young. I'm only 27. Um, there's an opportunity maybe for me to play in the future. Um, but I still, you know, I still have a lot to accomplish in track and field too. So that's the hard part. Um, right. you know, maybe if I had won the gold medal this last summer, I could have been like, all right, I'm done. Like, <laughs> Peace out. Go out, and go out on top. But I still think I got a lot left in the tank. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot better in the last two years. And, you know, that's a testament to my coach 
and everybody around me and, and the and the fact that, you know, I finally broke 13 this year. So I feel like I'm only, you know, only getting better. So it's kind of hard to walk away from that too. So it's definitely a dilemma that I'm in um, every day. You know, I see, I see football on TV. I'm like, Hey, you know, I got, I got friends that play in the NFL and they're like, Hey, Dev, you could play. Like, you know, I remember playing with you. You still got, you got it, but you know, it's not as easy as it looks. Right. No, I definitely feel you. Cause I'm having two loves is like, it's real. You know what I'm saying? I know you struggle probably like watching football. Like I know I could compete with these guys. Like I'm, I know I can get out here and catch on these guys, you know? So yeah, I salute no, you though. Sure. I salute you. Thank you. Yeah. Did you, did you play uh, any other sports in track? Uh, I used to play volleyball and okay. I played basketball, but of course injuries, basketball is way too physical for me. My, yeah, I like okay. sprained both my ankles, but yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's kind of how it goes, right? Like you got, like you love to do something, but then you got not forced to choose, but you gotta, you gotta choose the route with the least resistance at the time. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. you thinking and do the best? So definitely. So 2014, you won your first NCAA title. Then you won your first USA title. Going to 2016, you won your another NCAA title, and then you won the Olympic trials. What clicked? Like, what do you think happened these in over these three years? You know what? Um, I was in a good spot, I think, coming off my, my senior year in high school. I had developed a lot, although I had uh, um, some injuries, which kind of doesn't show on paper, right? Like, I didn't run quite as fast as I did my junior year, but technically, I was better. You know, I was a mm -hmm. better hurdler. I was a better sprinter. I, you know, my form was better. I just didn't have enough time to get in shape after I recovered from my injury. Mm -hmm. um, so, go, yeah, so going into that freshman year, um, a lot of a lot of young hurdlers, especially, you know, going from 39 inches to 42 inches, have a hard time with that transition. I kind of clicked, you know, right away, you know, Coach Cook, you know, and I worked a lot, you know, on the high hurdles and it seemed to kind of be a little bit more natural to me. And then so at that point, it just it kind of just took races and competition. You know, I, I played I played football as well. Right. So I had spring football to do. At the mm -hmm. same winter football and spring football to do at the same time that I was um, doing track. Um, so I really didn't get a chance to focus 100% on track until like the end of April, mid-April. And then crazy. once I did that, I went from like 13-7 to 13-1 in like, you know, four to six weeks. So, you know, that's just, and that's just kind of how it went. And then I got like, a lot of confidence from the NCAA win to take it to USA's and then, you know, that the rest was history from there. But, um, and then 2015, unfortunately I was out the whole season cause I, I did suffer in my first knee injury um, playing mm -hmm. football in the Rose bowl. And uh, so I, I actually couldn't compete 2015. Although I think, you know, based, you know, if I bet on myself, I would have won into the blaze and yeah. USA's again, but you know, and then 2016 I get back and I'm healthy. And then, you know, on the, on the track side, I was just as confident. Um, so I ended up winning indoors, you know, NCAAs and the 60 hurdles and then and the 110s outdoors and, um, you know, kind of going to the Olympic trials is a lot of pressure, Right. but, you know, being at home kind of, kind of eat, you know, it is nice too, like being at Hayward's field when I was in college, was, I could sleep in my own bed, you know, I, like I lived up the street from the track, it takes me like five minutes to walk. So I'm literally just... <laughs> You know, I finish my, my pre-me and I walk home and go to sleep, you know, do my normal routine, play video games, hang out, eat dinner, cook dinner, whatever, mm -hmm. um, which is nice. Because I know, you know, like in college and as, as pros, you got to travel a lot. You're like staying in a hotel, 
where the bed could be uncomfortable. You got a roommate that might snore, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So um, definitely nice. Okay, so I wanted to ask that because, see, I went to Texas Tech, and indoors, we usually, when we got the new facility, we started staying home a lot. And I didn't like really having Big 12s at home because I felt like it was hard for me to get into championship mode. So do you feel like it was hard for you to get into championship mode, just having, like, your normal routine? Or do you feel like it was it was still easy for you to get into championship mode? Like, you know what I mean? No, yeah, I think um... – since Hayward Field is so like, you know, blown up as like right. track the track mecca, mm -hmm. uh, it's not that hard because, you know, during the season it's kind of like normal for us, right? We're training there, and then when we have a home meet, you know, stands fill up, but then when it gets to like NCAA's, they start adding, you know, adding the the, the not the permanent bleachers, but the bleachers um, mm -hmm. by the by the grants like by the finish line. And then, you know, the signs start going up all around town and stuff like that. You got buses in and out, security everywhere. So kind of like it's a, it's a switch you can flip on and off um, okay. for, for me. Um, but I could see like an issue with that, right? Like you get you get super comfortable. And so you it's kind of hard to turn on, yeah. uh, which which is, yeah, it's good to, I guess, like, you know, the good thing that my coach and my training partner, Jonathan Cabral, who actually got six in the Olympics, um, we, like, competed a lot in practice, right? So, like, we'd have days where we do starts, and it was, like, coaches, like, all right, you got 50 minutes until we start. Like, do do what you need to do. We did the same warm-up because that's how we did anyways, but we were, like, mm -hmm. separate from each other. You know, we were, like, locked in. Like, we were racing, you know, getting ready for getting ready for a meet, and then we would go into the start stage trying to compete, trying to beat every each other every rep. And then it kind of turns that atmosphere into like an atmosphere that's going to be a mimic the NCAA's or USA's. Well, that's important. That's that's very important. See, that's okay. That makes that that puts it together. So I'm like, it was hard for us, but I see that y'all were more in competition mode more often than we probably were. Yeah, and it depends too. Like, I know you're 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 a heptathlete, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, you're always working on separate events, and you might hurdle with the hurdlers like once a month. Yeah. Right, like, because I, I, exactly, right, so, because we got the heptathletes and decathletes at Navy, and we mm -hmm. try to get them, get them in with us as much as possible, but it's just, like, the schedules are hard to, to, to get, to get together, so they don't really get that competition that's, like, you know, like, legit, legit until the meet, and then it's hard to turn that switch on sometimes if you're at home. No, definitely, so two-time Olympic finalist, you were fourth at Tokyo by zero Point zero four. What was your biggest takeaway from Tokyo? Um, my biggest takeaway was gave me some confidence that uh, you know I can compete with the best in the world because you know you know those guys in the Olympic final are the best in the world, um, and then also you know it gives you. I mean, it doesn't it didn't motivate me any extra because I'm super motivated already. But uh, mm -hmm. it gives you the thought of like, hey, you got to be ready to go all the time. You know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of athletes, you know, and it's okay too, like to focus on specific meets, right? Like USA's Olympic trials, the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But what I'm starting to realize is, as a professional, like it's important to kind of be able to turn it on every meet, right? Like you know. I'm running in the middle of those games in, in two and a half weeks. Like, I'm trying to go out there and win and run 
twelve twenty uh seven twenty eight. I'm trying to break the world record every time I run. Right. Right. Like that's the mindset you have to have. Um which which I've kind of developed in the last couple of years, um, as a professional because you know, if you're not on your game, you know, and you don't and you run just like, you know, a ten slow, you're gonna look stupid out there sometimes. Right, because there's been plenty of races at the pro where I'm like, I run thirteen twenty or thirteen eighteen, which is a good good times fast. Mm-hmm. But I end up getting second or third, I'm like, what the heck? Like, geez. So um so yeah, the biggest takeaway from that is just, you know, you gotta be ready at all times and and it helps me learn like, you know, how to how to plan my season a little bit better, you know, how to be ready, like peaked for certain certain meets, mm-hmm. how to stay fresh, how much I need to train or how little I need to train during a competition season because, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes being fresh is just as important as, you know, doing a lot of training and being good. Like if you feel good, you might you're gonna perform better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter that you did a lot of practice, right? And I'm sure that's the same with the hep heptathlon and decathlon, like, you know, you could throw the shot put, you know, a whole bunch, but you might throw the shot put better if you just feel fresh and strong. You feel like, oh, I feel good today. I'm letting that thing fly, you know, so. That's fact. So do you think being professional helped you listen to your body more? For sure. Yeah. And and, and getting older, I mean, not that I'm old, but getting older, <laughs> um, you know, I don't beat myself up as much. You know, I don't, I don't I try not to the last couple of years. Um, try to do so, so much to where I can't train the next day or the day after um because you kind of it's kind of a waste right like there's a mm-hmm. you know your goal in training is like to push the envelope but if you push it too far you go back right like so like i'd rather i'd rather try to get to from a to b in four weeks mm-hmm. than go from a to b in two weeks and then you know have the chance to never get to b you know like it's going to take me 12 weeks to get to b if i keep getting hurt every two weeks right, right. you know i gotta oh, i hurt myself i gotta re i gotta recoup for a week i take a week off you know, then you get back into training, you're already a week behind and you try to speed it up by training harder and that that's not that's not how it works. Yeah, no. I definitely see what you're saying. So yeah. but of course with success comes adversity. So give us a time where you face adversity and what you use to get through it. Um, I guess like the basic the biggest adversity that I face like athletically is just having, you know, my ACL reconstructive surgeries. Um and as an athlete it's just tough in general to one be out of, out of, you know, the sport for any amount of time. Right. You know, cause mm-hmm. like, you know, six to 12 months is like the, the guideline, but, um, and then trying and then two, the biggest adversity I felt and I faced from that was just getting my confidence back. Um, you know, as an athlete and, and what I do, I'm super confident in myself and my ability. And every time I step on the track, I think I can win. And that's just who I am as a person. But, coming off those injuries, there's a, there's a few times where I had a little bit of doubt, you know, in my head and it's hard to fake it. You know, you can't fake, you can't fake the training. You can't fake the amount of, you know, repetitions you've done. You can't fake, you know, how, how you did in the weight room. You can't fake your recovery. So um, it's really hard to step on that line and, and tell yourself, Hey, I'm, I'm the best on the track when you know you haven't done enough training or had enough time to train because you, you spent time rehabbing and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really the hardest thing about being an athlete and coming off an injury, especially. So what are some things you used to get your confidence back? Like self-talk or like, did you just let the races talk or like, how did you, how did you get your confidence back? Um, for me is, is using training as a tool to, uh, to be like a a checkpoint. Um, 
we like to we, we keep time and I'm sure you kept time when you did refs as well, but we keep time as like a checkpoint to say, Hey, it, it doesn't have to be fast or slow. It could be whatever. I could I could run a one twenty and thirteen fifty. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I go out in six weeks after that I run thirteen flat in a in the one ten race, okay, then the checkpoint is okay. Next season I ran tw- I run twelve oh five in a one twenty. Okay, I'm way ahead where I was last year, six weeks before I ran thirteen flat. So that gives me confidence right there, like, all right, I'm in a good spot. You know, I use that as like a check checkpoint, like, hey, I'm fast enough at least. Maybe I'm not technical, like maybe what I need to work on is the technique side and then do a couple of things, you know, and hurdle stuff. We, we keep touchdown times and, and time between the hurdle and stuff like that. So, you know, we do a, a rep and I run, you know, I run nine, nine eighty for, for 10 touchdowns. I said, okay, great. That's, that's what it is. And then four weeks later I run 1305. Okay. So now I just know, Hey, I'm running nine eighty. I'm there. Right. So that's why this whole season too. And even at the Olympics and before the Olympics, you know, I po- I was probably in the twelve nine shape that I was in at the end of the season too. Just mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, I just didn't run at that race, and so you know, it takes a lot of races to just kind of bang that time down a little bit, little by little, especially in the hurdles because it's so technical. Um, but yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence to, uh, you know, to kind of have those check marks, and I use those check marks as a as like a builder of confidence for me, especially in, in everything, weightlifting, right? If you if you lift heavier, right, you automatically assume, hey, I'm stronger. Yeah. And that's just kind of that's just is what it is. So like, I'm stronger, I should be able to throw the shot put further, right? Like mm-hmm. simply, I mean, not, it's not that simple, but but I, I, yeah, you know you just, it gives you yeah, some more, just, it gives you some more oomph. Definitely, and I love how you said like you were in twelve nine shape because the hurdles are important because you have to put it all together at once. Yeah, like, exactly. a lot of people don't really understand that you got to put the touchdowns, all that together at once. So like to make the perfect race. Yeah, and, and there's ten barriers, right? And and a hundredth of a second off is a tenth. Yeah. Right. So yep. if I was, uh, you know, to say at the Olympics I was a hundred and second off, and you know, that's that's what it was. If I was a hundred second seconds, a hundredth of a second per hurdle on, then mm-hmm. I'm a gold medalist. Yep. It's so, it's totally it's like yeah, that's just this is how it works. That's the sport though. That's the sport. So you're a veteran in you're a veteran in track and field in my eyes because I graduated high school twenty sixteen. So oh, how do you? <laughs> no. I'm getting old. Not that. Right. It's okay. <laughs> so um, how would you tell someone who's younger in a professional circuit how to handle loss? Um. I'd say two things. Don't, it's going to happen a hundred percent. It's going to happen. It doesn't really matter. It's going to, it's going to happen eventually, but two, uh, don't take it lightly. You know, like I, I always tell this to my, my friends and coaches and stuff. And I guess, you know, I can tell I can say it publicly now, but every time I lose, right. I'm a professional. I go to a diamond league. First place is 10 grand. Okay. Second place is six grand. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think in my head, and this is after the race, I don't think about it too much, but, if I get second, I'm like, this dude just stole $4,000 from me. He came to my house and just said, hey, where's your, where's your, where's your, where's your vault at? Like, give me that $4,000 piece and just dip. Um, so, you know, because cause that's what we do for a living, and that's how we make a living. That's how we make money. You know, you run fast, you make a good living. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and all of us, like I said, uh, yeah, like 10 minutes ago, everybody in these races are – 
the best in the world. So <laughs> you got to be ready to go. You know, if if you're there, if you're there at the line, you got to be ready to go. No, I best in the world. Diamond, especially diamond leagues. Diamond leagues, people don't be knowing diamond leagues be tough. Hey, they put the fields together. They do a good job. <laughs> they do. They do a good job. They do. So, do you have anything new for you this season, as far as like training or, I guess like a body or food, eating habits, anything new for you? Yeah, I mean, as last year, I kind of really focused on my diet. Uh, that's something that improved a lot, but uh, for the most part, I'm not going to do too much different just because how I ended up um, was kind of where I thought I was going to be, you know, through the whole year. Um, so now I'm just trying to progress, progress on that. So keep keep improving and, and kind of don't take my foot off the gas, right? There's some days where I'm kind of tired or like yesterday, like I said, like yesterday I had a, a long day and I finished my session. I, you know, I, I did PT, I, I trained and I coached. And then I had to lift. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to lift. I'm supposed to go heavy in front squat. And in my head, I was like, maybe I'll just take, you know, maybe I just won't do front squat. I'll do it later. But then I ended up doing it. And I got a new front squat PB. So, you know, that's just, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, you know, you got to kind of push through. Uh, push through the plan, especially one that you know that works. Um, you know, I got a lot of trust in my coach. And so anything he tells me, I'll do. Um, you know, I was joking to his son because his son's 16 years old. Um, I was like, man, I have a lot of faith in your in your dad. Like, he could tell me to run 10 miles. And although in my head, I'm like, what the hell? But, hey, he's never steered me wrong. He's never steered me wrong yet. So there's not really much I can say other than do it. Facts. No, I feel that. I feel that. Because I, I love my coach, too. And if you told me, I'll be, I'll complain, but I'll do it. <laughs> I'll complain, but I'll do it. So... Of course, you, Grant, Daniel, you posted a picture of y'all after the trials and you said just some guys hanging out. So how are y'all relationship? Are y'all really cool? Good, yeah. We were really cool, actually. Uh, Grant uh, came to Oregon on his official visit when I was there, right? So, like, you know, um, he's not that much younger than me, but he's, uh, I think he's 24, maybe 25. But, yeah, Grant, I've known Grant for six seven years now and then daniel i've gotten to know him over the last few years you know as a professional mm -hmm. um and the guys are great you know they got they got a strong strong faith background you know they have great families their parents are awesome um you know every time i speak to them they're nothing but nice to me which is great you know and i hope my parents are the same way um and and we get along on the, on the circuit you know we're you know hopefully you know a lot of times on the circuit you get selfish you want to get your own room like that's like a big thing is like <laughs> you know you're like in a single room but if i have to room with somebody you know i'll room with grant or daniel because you know those guys are cool um you know we like to hang out go to dinner walk around stuff like that you know chill during the circuit outside of just competing and stuff like that as well and and yeah so i mean those guys are great um obviously when we line when we line up on the line i'm trying to beat them up but yeah. other than that you know we're, we're good we're homeboys so being, I meant to ask this earlier, so being one of America's top hurdlers, do you, have you felt any pressure? And I mean, from like 2016, 2014, like, did you feel, have you felt any pressure? Um, pressure in the, in the loosest form that, uh, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't say I felt pressure from anybody else, I, you know. I think I'm one of the best in the world. And I think I can be the best ever. Mm -hmm. And that's just the confidence I have in myself. So, you know, that's, that's the pressure I, I, I put on myself in, the, in that term. 
Um, but other than that, you know, I don't let, you know, people don't really put too much pressure on me itself, you know, cause they, they know I'm doing everything I can in order to be, be, you know, a great track and field athlete. So. In my interviews off with something, just give us some advice someone gave you to help you get to the position you're in now. You know, and I've been giving this advice actually, you know, like people I talk to ask me for advice and it's going to be like, uh, not cliche, but uh, my strength and conditioning coach in college was very, he's a great man. Um, he's very like attuned to fine details. And he always wanted us to start our day by making our bed, right? Like, you know, you start your, you start your routine and make your bed. You know, obviously it's nice to have a made bed too. Cause when you come home, your bed's made, you can like get into a made bed. This is the best. <laughs> yeah. But um, by making your bed in the morning, you kind of start off like, you kind of, you're starting the car. You're starting like the day. You're like turning the keys, like, okay, now I'm moving forward like to accomplish what I want to do for the day, right? Whether, whether that's like for me, like training wise, or like somebody that just works in a, you know, a corporate setting, you know, what their goals are for the day. But in order to start that day off on the right foot, you got to make your bed. So that's, that's my advice. You know, it sounds kind of corny. I know it is. And I, and I thought, I thought, uh, I thought the same until, um, I started doing it every day and I've been doing it every day for like six years now. So, you know, it's really helped me. I, don't, I love that. I don't think it's corny at all because that's what I've been trying to, I've been trying to make my bed every day. Like it's, it's a part of my little morning routine. I'm trying to like stick in, but yeah, and make your room look cleaner too. I be trying yeah, to make my well, bed every day. You know, the funny thing is too, if you make your bed and you get in it, you don't like, unless you sleep crazy, right? Like you don't mess it up that much. No. Like, I can really get out of the bed and, like, lay the covers back to where I just was. Like, and I don't have to do that much work to make it. So, but, yeah. No, thank you. I love that. So, man, I appreciate you so much for coming on my platform. Like, you know, it's little, but we growing. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out, too. I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately, and it's kind of cool how many, how many people are, like, you know, interested in just doing something and creating something. So. Very cool and kudos to you.